This is a Life Source Ministries teaching by Paul Drury. Be built up in your faith as you listen. We're going to continue on again on this series that we've been doing on by faith. And um, praise God, this is, has been a good series. And I know we've been in it, we've been in it for a while, doing this series on by faith. And um, I have another few that I want to do um, before we, 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 we wrap it up. But um, it just, uh, just been, we've just been taking our time going through these stories and that. We could, every one of these, like, you know what, you sit and you look at these stories, you look at, you could break every one of these down into three, four weeks, every, every story easily. But um, we're, try, we're trying our best uh, to condense these stories into something that we can just learn a few things from, encourage our faith as well. And um, when you look at these again, what we've been saying, everybody in Hebrews chapter 11, the reason they're in Hebrews chapter 11 is not because of their good morality. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not telling us about how moral they were. It's not telling us those things. And I'm not saying that it's not good to be moral. But they didn't get into Hebrews chapter 11 because they were ever so perfect people. You know, that they had every, all of their, their T's crossed, crossed and, you know, all of their I's dotted. It wasn't that. It was because they believed God. And that's how we do exploits with God is by faith. And, you know, we're, we're called to be faith people. We're called to live by faith. And I truly believe whenever you see the root of faith is, is the word. So when you get into um, the word and the word starts affecting your life, the Bible says when you get it in, it effectually works in you. I believe it will affect how you live in your everyday life. But being, being um, ever so prim and proper doesn't get you into the hall of faith. Amen. What gets you into the hall of faith is believing God. And believe in God to the point of where you act on what God says to where it starts coming out of your mouth and getting into your actions. And that's how all of these people got into Hebrews chapter 11. And the guy that we're going to look at tonight, he's the same. You know what, you'll see um, one particular thing that, that he did, you know, um, and not a great thing that he did. But the rest of it, what he done in faith, awesome. Really, really awesome. And you know what? I, that encourages, encourages me. And every time I read Hebrews chapter 11, it encourages me because I know the story of the people. I know, I know Abraham's failures. You know, I, I know David's failures and everybody else. I know their failures, but I also see their faith. And when you see their faith, that encourages you because, you know, none of us are perfect. None of us have it all together. You know what? We're, we're, we're walking with God. We're allowing the Holy Ghost through the Word of God to have an impact on our lives. We're starting to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Um, and, and that starts affecting our daily lives. You know, how we walk in love with people and all of those kind of things. Um, but but I, I tell you, that's, that's awesome. But you know what? There's also that part where we want the Word in us to where it's affecting our faith and to where we are believing God to do great things in our generation. And every one of us need to be believing God. Amen. Not just for salvation. Not salvation faith. Let me tell you, there's also living faith to where we live by faith every day of our lives. Believe in God. Amen. And so... We're going to be looking at, at a character tonight called um, Jephthah. And um, we'll see in his life as well that he wasn't perfect. 
But really, this story that we'll look at, one of the main things that will come out in this tonight, and we'll see it as we go along here, is the importance of our words. Our words are absolutely important. And, and I tell you, as believers, and you know, when you're a person of faith, you know how important your words are. Uh, faith people understand the importance of words because God's a word being. God is a word species. And I tell you, he made us in his image and likeness and we're people of words as well. There's not a creature like man on the planet. There are, there's uh, creatures that can mimic and say a few words. But I'm telling you, they don't have a clue what they're saying, but we do. Because we have a relationship with God and our words are absolutely powerful. Death and life, the Bible says, is in the power of the tongue. And um, when you understand words, you know, you start to put a guard over your mouth. You put a guard over your heart, the Bible says in Proverbs 4. But when you guard your heart, that's going to guard what comes out of your, your mouth. Amen? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth begins to speak. So we, we need a, a guard over our, our mouth. Um, because your words are important. Death and life's in the power of the tongue. And there's many, many scriptures that talk about our words. And we'll just see something. This guy tonight, he used his words um, in a particular situation. He used them in a negative way. And it snared him so with it. And, and the Bible lets us know that you're snared by the words of your mouth. So you're, this tongue here, it can set you free or it can bind you up. And um, it's important to understand how to use it. Praise God. And thank God we're people of faith. We understand the importance of our words. We understand the importance of speaking our words over our body, over our finances, over our uh, jobs, you know, over our family, over our marriage, over our kids, over our relationships. We understand the importance of speaking words. Words are important. And we could talk on words till the cows come home because the Bible is full of things to do with words. Now, this story tonight is going to come uh, again out of the book of Judges, really in Hebrews chapter 11. That's the part that we're looking at. Let me just read this part actually, Hebrews chapter 11 first and then we'll go over to Judges. Hebrews 11 verse 32, it says, And what can I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon. We looked at him already, Barak, Samson, and um, Jephna. Uh, and he's the guy we're going to look at this evening. And then it goes on to David and Samuel and the prophets. Um, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of the lions. And I'm telling you, faith brings change. And that's why you see this guy here, Jephna. You see him in Hebrews chapter 11. He is not a perfect person. He didn't have a great start actually in life. We'll show you that in a minute. But I'm telling you, he had a mighty, mighty victory in God. And um, it, it, it put him into Hebrews chapter 11. Amen. Now, the backdrop of this again is the, is the book of Judges. And in the book of Judges, we see this cycle in the book of Judges. Um, they were walking with God, the people. Then they would become complacent. They'd become comfortable. They'd become lax. And then they would go and turn to idols. And then when they turned to idols, what happened was they like, turned their back on God. So they're not receiving God's provision, protection into their lives. And what happened was it opened a big wide door for enemies to come in. And the enemies would come in and harass them and oppress them 
and um, bring them into captivity. And that's really in their own land. They were, they were just oppressed. And then what would happen, it would become so bad for them that what they would do is they would cry out to God again. And what happened would be God would be faithful and raise up a deliverer for them. And that deliverer then would, would set them free from the bondage. But then they would go through a period of time again, you know, years. And then they would become complacent again. And then the cycle just continued. And you know what? We have to watch out as believers that we don't be complacent. Amen. Then we stay focused on the things of God. Now the backdrop of this is um, what happened was the children of Israel. It says here, uh, um, Judges 10 verse 6, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and served Balaam and Ashtaroth, and the gods of Syria, and the Zidonians, and the uh, Moab. And they, what happened was here, they served a whole list of gods. They turned their back on God and embraced a whole load of different gods. That would be like us in our generation, turning our back on God and embracing every other ideology that's in the world instead of embracing God. You know, where we stop reading our Bible and now all we read is things like self-help books and stuff like that. And we just turned our back completely on God because, you know, the, the, this generation is smarter. This generation has a better way of succeeding and, you know, how to have run your home, how to run your family. But you know, there, there, there's, there's no better book than the Bible. I'm not saying you can't read other things, but I'm saying the best book that you can read is the Bible. There's no better book for every area of life. But that's what it would be like, and that's what happened with, with these guys. And what happened was they turned their back on God. And you see in verse 7, And the, and the anger of the Lord was hot against them, and he sold them into the hand of the, the Philistines, and um, into the hand of the children of, of Ammon. And so really the children of Ammon really was the key um, enemy that they're going to deal with. But you see here that there is a list of enemies that they were dealing with. You know, it was amazing. They embraced a bunch of different ideologies and idols. And then they ended up dealing with a whole lot of problems from different arenas. There's a connection there. Let me tell you, when you have God in your life, let me tell you, God doesn't come into our life to make our life worse. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. You know, it's amazing. I, I see people all the time who are academically smart. Smart up here and stupid out here. Yeah. You understand? They know a lot up here. Sometimes they talk, and you know, you know it's English, but it's not the English you speak every day. <laughs> do, you ever, do you ever talk to some people and they speak a completely different language than you're used to? But you know, you know, it's, you know it is English, but it's not words you use every day. Some people are educated to the point of stupidity in our generation. Yeah. And that's reality. You know, sometimes I hear, I listen sometimes to educated people, and I'm thinking, what on earth are they talking about? I can't apply that to my life. It doesn't make sense. But I tell you, see, the Word of God, it does. When I hear the Word taught, it ministers to me, and it has affected my life in every arena of life. And you know, you're the same. Amen. Um, but the, the, these, these um, children of Ammon, they really were the key enemy. And really they came out of, you know, Lot, Lot the time that his daughters got him drunk and slept with him. They came out of that relationship, these people. That's, but they, they, 
harass the children of Israel in this story. But it does give a list of, of enemies here. And it says, and that year, as soon as they turned their back on God, that year, it's already started the cycle. And so how many of you know that, you know, things can start off small and you can deal with it? We said that last week because it's the same principle all through this book, or this book of Judges. But after 18 years of it, they were greatly, greatly oppressed. You know, sometimes, sometimes you wonder, how did you go from serving God? I remember you were absolutely on fire for God. How did you go from there to where you, you don't even read your Bible anymore? Do you, ever, do you ever know people that are, were on fire for God, used in the gifts of the Holy Ghost? Some people even ministered. And they don't even walk with God today. And you're like, how did you get there? I can tell you it wasn't one step. You see, they turned their back on God and over 18 years, the enemy had them in a place where he wanted them. But I'm telling you, when you've God on your side... You're never destroyed. And the thing is, God had a covenant with the children of Israel, but God needed them to call out to him for help. And whenever they, got, they would call out to God for help, let me tell you, God always helped. And he raised up a deliverer again to help them and to get them out of this, this situation. And the Bible lets us know that the enemy had crossed over the Jordan. You know what? And they, they were ready to, to, to come. So it, it's, a, it's a situation that was a hard situation for the children of Israel. And so they did cry out to God. Um, and it says, And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And if you read to us, I don't want to go through all of this part here, but there's, there's wonderful principles here on, um, on relationships. I tell you, God's an expert on relationships. And what happened was first, the children of Israel, they did cry out unto God, but they only wanted God to come and help them. They didn't want their heart to be turned to Him. So it's important for us to serve God out of our heart. You know, but here was the thing. They were just crying out and just saying, oh, just God deliver me so that I can get back to doing what I'm doing. You know, that kind of a thing. They didn't really want to serve God. And you can, if you read through this here, it's brilliant because God has a, a dialogue with them. And God does bring them to the place where they do change. But God just basically sent them, do you know what, we're, 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 you forgot about me, basically is what he's saying. What about me? Go and ask your other gods that you've been serving. And it was because they hadn't truly changed their heart, but then they did change their heart. And they, they, they said to God, no, no, God, we really want you, basically what they said. And what they did was they went and they got rid of all of the other gods. See, God knows how to communicate with us. It's the same in relationships as well. Like, you know, it, it's great in, you know, in husband-wife relationships where you can talk to each other. You know, and, and sometimes you have to sort things out, but that's okay. Because when you're talking, you're getting to deal with some things, and that's what God was doing here. And then what happened was they truly did change. And so it'll lead into the story of, of this guy that we're going to look at tonight. Um, but there were several enemies here. Let me just bring a couple of these here out, and just, just so we know our, our enemy. The Bible says we're to know our enemy. Yeah. And we're to know his tactics. And sometimes I like to look at these kind of things here, but you know, you look at the names, like it talked about the, these were the enemies, like there was the Egyptians. So everybody was oppressing them, okay? You had the Egyptians. You know, the, the Egyptians, it means a limit, a hemming. Do you know when you're like hemmed in? Yeah. 
In other words, it, it, it's um, like you talk about Egypt and you talk about the house of bondage. That's what it is. You know, there's a lot of people who bring people into bondage, even religious bondage. That's an enemy to our lives. That's an enemy to us being all God's called us to be. You know, we've been called into true freedom as believers. So anything that hems us in, and even, even um, religiously there's people, there's, there's whole doctrines that hem people in. There's, there's, um, there's churches that can control people. I'm telling you, we're called to be free in God, not free to run wild, but there's a freedom in God. There's a freedom to serve God. Amen. You know, we came out of bondage of sin. We didn't come into another set of handcuffs. Amen. But these are just things to look at here, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them. The Amorites was another enemy, and the Amorites, one of the meanings for it is um, publicity, preeminence. You know, when people can make you feel lesser than them, and that's an enemy that we have to watch out for in our lives because sometimes we can feel less than other people. Let, let me tell you, we're the children of God. We, we're seated in heavenly places, far above all principalities, powers, might, and dominion. And I know sometimes in life, sometimes people can feel inferior. But if you look at yourself, you can be inferior. But you know what? When we see ourselves in Christ, we realize that through God's ability, we can do what God's called us to do. Again, that's an enemy of inferiority that puts people down many times because of their background, their education, a bunch of different things. You know, their family and all of those kind of things. Sometimes people can feel lesser than other people. But I'm telling you, God is in the business of lifting us up. God will take out of that low mentality of thinking and give you high thinking. You see, God's thinking is higher than man's. And when you start hanging about with God, you start to live out of God's way of thinking. And we could spend more time on that. I'm not going to do that this evening. But um, here's another enemy, the Philistines. And the Philistines mean... um, It actually means... um, One of the meanings is, is migration. And another meaning is to roll in the dust or to wallow. That's an enemy. Nobody loves me. That's that's an enemy. No one ever works for me. That's an enemy to your faith. I'm going to stop you from being all God's called you to be. No one ever works for me. You had a great start. That's that's an enemy. You'll never do anything without rolling about in the dust. See, it talks here about migration. You know, know, birds migrate. They'll go from one place to another. Well, do you know what what an enemy to our faith is? When when Jesus has raised us up and seated us in heavenly places, that's our position. Do you see, when we migrate from that position down to the dust, that's an enemy in our lives. Satan wants to keep people at the level of dust. Amen. And people say, but we're, we, we came from the dust. Yeah, your body, but your body's not the real you. Amen. Uh, like, uh, uh, let me just read this verse out here. Just, uh, this is Genesis 3 and verse 14. When God spoke to Satan in the garden, it says, And the Lord said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, above all beasts of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust 
shall thou eat all the days of thy life? That's a dust level. And I'm telling you, Satan wants to take man only down to a dust level. But I'm telling you, when you make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. I tell you, if you could see yourself the way God sees you, if you could see yourself in the Spirit, I'm telling you, if you could see how mighty a creation God has made in the new creature, boy, you, it would change your whole life. You would start living out of that new creature instead of living out of the dust. I'm on an old, unworthy sinner. That's dust thinking. I was an old, unworthy sinner. I got saved by grace. Now I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How many believers are living out of their righteous nature instead of living out of the limitations of the dust? The, the bag of dust that we live in. We don't take our identity from the bag of dust. We take our identity from who we are in Christ. But that's an enemy to leave that position of in Christ to come down to dust thinking. That's an enemy to our faith. And I tell you, every one of us have to make our mind up that we're going to believe who God says we are. Amen. One of the greatest statements I ever heard was that you are who God says you are. You can do what God says you can do and you can have what God says you can have. That changes everything. Again, these are enemies. The Zidinians, or whatever, however you, you say it out there, their name means a catching. You know, a, a catching. I mean, you know, Satan entices. The Bible tells us that in James. And when he entices, is their flesh. That's an enemy. So that, uh, Satan fishes, and he fishes our weakness. The Amalekites, I couldn't find a meaning for them, but here's the thing about the Amalekites. The Amalekites all through um, the Old Testament, they were the, they were the enemy of the children of Israel. They attacked the children of Israel, you know, coming out of, out of um, Egypt. Um, uh, there was a, a situation where, where God told Saul to wipe them all out. Remember that? And he didn't. And here's just something on that. The reason I'm saying that is because when Saul died, he, he fell on his own sword, but it didn't kill him. And there was a young man came and he asked the young man to finish him off. And do you know who killed him? The Bible says it was an Amalekite. Do you know what you don't deal with many times comes back around? It's an enemy. There's, an, there's another group here and you call them the... the Maonites, I think that's how you're pronouncing it. They love mayonnaise, no. <laughs> the Maonites. But this, what their name meant was a residence. And many times in the Bible, uh, this name, the root of it, is used for like um, God's abode, okay? Being in God's presence. And you know, I, I just say this on this anytime we leave God's presence, and feel at home somewhere else. That can be a real enemy in our lives. You understand? There are some people, they're, they're, they are at home in places where God's presence is not manifest. You understand? I'm not talking about visiting, going somewhere and leaving, going out for a meal and leaving. I'm talking about there are places where people will sit in 
and they feel at home there. Let me tell you, when you walk with God, there's places you will not feel at home at. Because you love His presence. Amen. Amen. You love His presence. It's, you know, it's like, do you ever go into somebody's house and you just, you don't feel at home. It's not homey. Yeah. You don't feel welcome. You know you're visiting and you can't wait till the visit's over. You know what I mean? Then there's other houses you go to and you feel at home. They're your friends or whatever. You feel at home. You walk in, you put the kettle on yourself. You ask them, do they want a cup of tea? You know what I mean? You're in their fridge, you're in their... It's like Donna's brother, he comes into our house, Donna's brother, he just helps himself, just walks in. Hey, we're sitting in the living room, he comes, he comes into the living room talking to us and he's eating bars out of the fridge and, you know, well, this is, this is lovely, you know what I mean? But he feels, he feels that he can do that in our house. Do you know what? There's not everywhere where God's presence is manifest. God's everywhere. But there's not everywhere where his presence is manifest. You, you know his presence whenever you're there. You understand what I mean by that? Um, and so, again, that is a real enemy. Now, this is the situation that they're in, the children of Israel at this, this, uh, at this time. They have lots of enemies. Ammon is the, is the main enemy that's coming against them. It's like the root enemy. But they had many gods. They had many enemies. They were under the screw for 18 years till it got so tight that they cried out to God for help. God brought them through relationship, talking to them, got them to the place of really, truly repenting and, and turning, doing that 180 turnaround to where they got rid of all of those gods and they put their focus back on God. And I'm telling you, God was so faithful. God had a deliverer for them, um, ready to deliver them from this situation. But this deliverer, he was the most unlikely character in just the way God does things many times. I mean, you know, God uses the despised. He uses, you know, the unlikely. He uses the people that nobody thinks could do it. That's the good news of the gospel. You know, in the world, you, you're, you're fighting for that position and all of that kind of thing. And God, when you get saved, God will give you a position and grace you for it. And it doesn't matter what your background, what your past. Boy, I, I, that excites me. Because I know in the world, I, I never make it in that sense, you understand. But in God, let me tell you, in God, God has graced me to do what I do. There's graces that come from Him. And it's like, praise God. God graces you to do it. And I know I am disqualified in the dust. I'm disqualified. You know what I mean? This bag of dust can't do it. But I know in my spirit, man, in my relationship with God, in the grace that He's put upon me, I'm qualified. He's given me the faith. He's given me the grace. He's given me everything that I need to do what He's called me to do. That, that excites me. Amen? That excites me. And it's the same for you. He has graced you. Others will say you're disqualified. Others say you could never do that. But you know what? When God calls you, He graces you to do what He's called you to do. And the reason He does it that way is because He gets the glory. Amen? Do you see the proud who think it's them? It's like God can't see that kind of a thing. You know, He can, but I'm just saying, you know, it's like as if He, he can't see that. His eyes are going towards the people that have a humble heart and saying, God, here I am, I'm available. And God saying, I'll just pour my grace upon that one. Amen? And cause them to do extraordinary things. And everyone will know it had to be God because 
Without God, they're an outcast. Without God, they can't make it. And that's exactly Jasner. He ended up an outcast. Ended up like a bandit. Ended up like an outlaw kind of a thing. And here's why. Look at this here. Um, Judges 11 verse um, 1. It says, now Jasner, the Gileadite, it says he was a mighty man of valor. He, had, he was a mighty man. But the problem was he had, he had like shame attached to his name, okay? And it says he was the son of a harlot. So here's a guy who was, a, a, his mom was a prostitute. Now in Israel, that was a real shame. Because God had told them prostitution was not something that was going to be in Israel. It was not going to be part of their culture. God told him it, it will not, it, it's not going to happen. God had a way of dealing with it. Thank God for grace. Amen. Thank God for the grace of the new covenant. But they were under law, remember? Um, it, it, Deuteronomy 23 and verse 17, it says, There shall be no horror of the daughters of Israel, nor a sodomite of the sons of Israel. There won't be any horror of the, the, the daughters of Israel. But you know what? Here's a guy and his mom was a prostitute. And, you know, um, let me see if I can see it here. Uh, Josephus, he was a Jewish historian. He said that his mom was a stranger, a Gentile. And tradition said that she was an Ishmaelite. This was an embarrassment. You know, this is, this is like the runt, you know, kind of thing of the litter in the house when you had someone like that in the house. That was a shame. You, know, you, look, at, you look at Ireland even, like, you know, go back... Go back um, 60 years. You know, if somebody had a child, you know, out of marriage, that was a real shame on that family. Yet I'm telling you, God is a God of grace. And God can take people that come into this world and don't come into this world the right way. But God can do something mighty in people's lives. You know, God has used people all through history who didn't have a great start in life. Now in Jewish culture just like you can just wind the clock back and you can see even in Irish culture how much of a shame that was and how much of a shame that brought on a family. That was the way it was in Jewish, in Jewish culture, Jewish history that if someone was born that way that shame stuck to them their whole life. And many people take on that shame. Yeah? I mean, you know, that's the way it was with William the Conqueror as well. And he carried that mindset through his life. Not that he wasn't born of a prostitute. But um, he, called, he called himself a bee. Okay? That was the way he called himself. William the bee. So there's, there's shame many times that can come on people. Some people don't, all I'm just saying from this is, some people don't get a good start in life, but thank God for the grace of God. Amen. Some, pe some, people, some people have had a horrible beginning, but I'm telling you, the grace of God is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Now what happened here was it says, uh, this is his dad again, it says, uh, and Gilead, this is his dad, his wife, not the, not the prostitute, his wife, okay, bore him sons. 
and his sons grew up and they kicked out Jethna and told him, you'll not have any part of our inheritance. So here's a guy that has a shame, right? From growing up, all of his brothers, they don't want him. They kick him out. Just think, that's, that's a horrible thing, isn't it, to think of? This guy goes to a place um, called Tob, and the Bible says that there was vain people were gathered onto him. So vain people were empty people, worthless people, people that had nothing, people that were up to maybe no good, and they were drawn onto him. And this is now his, the people that he has, he became a leader, he had leadership in him. He was a mighty man of valor, but he had this stain attached to his life, ends up in a different place, and all of these people gather to him. See, he obviously had that leadership in him, people were gathered to him, but he's away from the things of where he's meant to be. His brothers have kicked him out. So it's, it's like... It's like a picture of Jesus here as well, because Jesus came to his own, his own received him not. They didn't want him. And Jesus ended up with a ragtag team around him. It's amazing what God can do with people that the world disqualifies. Amen. <laughs> but then this is the situation with this man. You know, it, it makes me think many times how many people are out there tonight that God has called has something mighty in their life and they're being effective in the world in different arenas and being effective to a degree and God has a mighty call upon their life and people have disowned them or people have shamed them or they're living with guilt and condemnation from their past or whatever and all they need is an encounter with Jesus and it'll turn everything around in their lives. Amen? Now, it says, And it came to pass in the process of time that the children of Ammon made war against Israel. This is the same situation with the enemies. And it says here, And it was so that when the children of Ammon made war against Israel, the elders of, uh, of Gilead went to fetch Jathna out of the land of Tob. See, now they need him. He was kicked out, but now they need him. They needed a deliverer, and this is the deliverer that God had for them. And they said unto Jathna, Come and be our captain, that we may fight against the, the children of Ammon. And Jathna said unto the elders of, of Gilead, Did not you hate me and expel me out of my father's house? And why are you come now um, when you are in distress? Now, again, you see great principles here on relationships. Do you, know, do you know when there's differences between people? Do you know even whenever people fall out? Sometimes people never, they never deal with the issue. They, they, they just brush it under the carpet. But there's a time when you just need to sit down with people or someone, I've had to do it in my life many a time. I've had people in my life and I'm, I'm a kind of cards on the table kind of a person. And I don't know why you're like that, but I'm definitely like, that's just the way I am. Donna doesn't like a confrontation or anything like that. But I'm the kind of person I just like to... Okay, here's, here's where I'm at. 
I don't know why you see it that way, but you know, if I've hurt you in any way, here's how I see it, you see it different. That's the way I am. That's just, I've had to do that many times with people over the years. And to me, you get things sorted. I'd rather get things sorted out. That's the way he is, this guy. He, he's coming and saying, do you know what? He says, you just kicked me out. Why are you coming for me now? Don't talk to me. And so they got to sort it out. Not, not in a mean way. I believe in doing things in love and grace. I believe if there's something needs to be sorted, and I'll tell you something else, sometimes like things don't need to be sorted. Sometimes people make things worse. You have to know, you have to be led by the Spirit of God. Amen? But there's times when it does come to talk, and I have no problem in having a conversation. I've had to do it. I've had to do it with friends over the years. I've had to do it and said, you know what, we're miscommunicating here. Something's going on here. We're not as close as we used to be, or we're not, um, we don't seem to be on the same page anymore. What's going on? Do you know what, uh, have I done something to hurt you? Have you hurt me, or whatever? You know, things can get sorted. And so that's the way this was here. And... Um, so they do, they do reconcile here. Um, let, me just, let me just say, he's asking them, do you know what, if I come, will you make me the head? There's a lot in all of that. But what he's looking for is he's looking for their word. And again, you see in this story the importance of words. And he said, um, let me just look at this here for a second. Verse 10, it says, And the, the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, they said, The Lord be witness between us if we do not so according to thy word. So he gave his word, and this is important because I want to hit on something here just before I close. So Jaffna got the elders to give their word, okay? Your words are important. Um, verse 11, then Jaffna went with the elders of Gilead and the people, and they made him head over them, and Jaffna uttered all the, um, his words before the Lord in Mizpah. And um, let me just look at verse 12. And Jathna sent messengers unto the king of the children of Ammon, saying, um, What hast thou to do with me? He would try to fix it with the Ammonites. They weren't interested in listening. And um, there's a lot in that as, uh, as well, and I'm not going to get into that this evening. I want to just get down to this part. Verse 29. Now, here's what's important here, okay? They've came to Jathna to be their deliverer, and Jathna now he say, Yes, I'm... I'm I'll come. I'll come and I'm basically I'm going to come and I'm going to, you put me head. I'm going to lead, lead you to go, come up against our enemies. He tried to sort out the enemies that weren't interested. He gave them a history lesson if you want to look at it. Um, but now this is, they're in the position of, you know, going for this battle because really this is what we see why Jathna is in Hebrews chapter 11. He's the son of a prostitute. He has shame on his life because of it. It has been a, 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 a badge that he's carried around with shame from his family. They didn't want him, kicked him out. Now he's back. Praise God. I tell you, God can turn things around. God can cause someone that's had a, a horrible start and now he's going to use them mightily to do something in faith that's going to make a massive difference in many people's lives. And it says here, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jathna and he passed over Gilead. So the Spirit of God came upon him and he passed over and he's passing over to this fight. Okay? Now, this is what's important here, because uh, what I'll get into here in a second, because the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, okay? And may you know, whenever you have 
the Holy Ghost on you and you're full of faith, you're ready for the fight. Me know God's with you. Now what happened with him was he starts to make a vow that he didn't need to make. And this is where he did, he, he did something wrong here. Now even though this man made it into Hebrews chapter 11, he done something very stupid here. He gave a vow that was going to cost him greatly with his family. See this? Boys, this can get us into trouble. It is amazing that this can be used in faith to do something mighty, yet at the same time, this can get us into trouble as well. Here's what Jathna vowed. Look at this. And Jathna vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou sh uh, shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into my hands, he says, Then it shall be that whatsoever comes out of the door of my house to meet me when I return in peace or after the victory. He says, um, shall surely be the Lord's and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. Now, I'll show you in a second. The problem was, he said, when, when I come home, whatever comes out of my door, the front door to meet me, I'm going to take whatever comes and I'm going to offer it to the Lord. He didn't have to make this vow. Do you know who came out through the door? His daughter. So you can see here a man who done something mighty in faith. I'll read out here in a second what he done in faith. But then used his words for something stupid as well. I mean, you know you're snared by the words of your mouth. You think, why would he even have this talk in the first place? You know, my own personal opinion on this is because, you see, they were surrounded by many gods and many ideologies, and they had embraced phrases, words. Like, who wants to talk about that? Who would talk along those lines that, you know, whatever comes out of my door, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to burn them alive? Whatever it is, person, animal, whatever. Who would even have that kind of talk? Yet that's the kind of talk many times that we have in our world today. It may not be that. But you know what? Oh, when it rains, it pours. Yeah? Never works for me. Every time I wash the car, it rains. Yeah? Blue Monday. That's the world's talk. But see, we're in the world so much that many times that worldly talk gets into our vocabulary as well. You know, many times Christians will jump on people because they say certain words. You know, like there is, there's profanity. But then there's certain words that people say that some people think it's a bad word, other people don't. Do you know what I mean? People jump all over them. But it's amazing how many Christians won't bat an eyelid at speaking death out of their mouth constantly over their life, over their family, over their kids, and not think a thing of it. Oh, you're a wee brat, you're this, you're that, you're the other. They're cursing themselves all day, and you know where they picked all of that talk up from the world? You don't get it in God's kingdom. Amen. You understand? Now, I don't for the life of me understand why Jaffna even said this because he didn't have to say it because the Spirit of the Lord already came upon him for the victory. 
But then he decides to try and cut a deal with God. Do you know what? You don't have to cut any deal with God. We don't have to say to God, do you know, God, if you do this for me, then I'll do this for you. That's not grace. Grace is God saying, just pouring and abounding on us abundantly. I've already done everything for you. I've already provided everything for you. What I need you to do is just believe me. Just put faith in my word. God is not asking us to cut a deal with him. God's saying, I've graced you. I've given you everything you need. I've given you the, the measure of faith. I've given you my word. I've given you promises. I've given you it all. You don't have to cut any deal with me. I'm actually for you. Amen? I'm for you. Sometimes people say, you know, God, if you get me out of this mess, I'll serve you all the days of my life. God's not interested in deals like that. God's just saying, look to Jesus. I've already made every provision for you for to serve me for all of the days of your life. Just look to Jesus. My grace is abounding towards you. We don't have to cut deals with, with God. We don't have to beg God for his grace. We don't have to beg God for the victory. We don't have to beg God for healing. We don't have to beg God for anything. He's already provided everything for us. Yet he came out with his vow. Now, here was the victory. Look at this. So Jephthah passed over onto the children of Ammon to fight against them. And look at this. And the Lord delivered them into his hands and he smote them. He lets us know he smote them up and down the country. And it says here that he, he took 20 cities. That's verse, um, Judges 11, verse 33. He took 20 cities and subdued them. Let me tell you, faith can cause you to subdue, take ground, put under what has been ruling over you. That's what faith does. Amen? Amen? Now, I, I just thinking of this just 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 for life for people you know god can cause you to as you'd say a corner of the market to where you're not ruled over god can actually give you a foothold in whatever arena of life wherever you are wherever god has called you to be and he ha he he got the victory in his arena which was to take over 20 cities. Praise God. That's a great verse for anybody who's believing God. To take over cities for God and the move of God. Amen. That's a great verse. Faith will give you the city. He took 20. One man took 20 cities. An outcast who became a mighty deliverer. God can cause people to do great things. Now, just in finishing with his daughter, he came back home and the daughter was the, came, out, came out to greet him, celebrating the victory. And if you read the story, people have two opinions on this, and, and just for time, I'm just going to close with this now. Um, but, you know, one opinion is that he actually did sacrifice her. And um, the people who oppose that will quote and say that, you know, the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not murder. God would never have permitted it. That's what they say. They say that um, when, e when Abraham took the knife to 
God never wanted him to, to kill Isaac, that God stopped, stopped him. All through scriptures, human sacrifice is forbidden. All through scriptures, God hates it. God says in Jeremiah, it, has, it is not something that even came into his mind to plan, to institute into mankind. It's not something God desires. Yeah, the Bible tells us that whenever you, when people done human sacrifices, actually it was, the, it was the idols, but it was the demons. So that's something the devil has done and still does things like that. And so there's cultures where that kind of stuff still goes on in the world with human sacrifice to try and appease gods. There's only one sacrifice that God ever accepted and that was Jesus Christ. Amen. And that was Jesus laying down his life as a saviour for us. That was, that was a major difference. You, you couldn't offer a child or offer something that they do in these to try and gain favour with God. That didn't work. Only through Jesus. And Jesus is the saviour of the world and it was the greatest act of love. Amen. It wasn't taking and laying someone down. Okay. I used to sing a song. Do you know what? Um, <laughs> do you know what's our Christian song? Lord, Lord, I offer my life to you. Everything I've been through as a living sacrifice. I used to sing out there and sometimes I'd sing, Lord, I offer my wife to you. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you know what? You can't offer somebody else in that situation. But in this situation, it's amazing. He says, I'll offer my daughter. Okay? <laughs> I'll offer my daughter. I'd only be saying that joking. But um, the other theory that people have is that he didn't actually kill her but what he did was uh, she bewailed her virginity she went off for two months and then came back and said to her dad basically do fulfill the vow whatever you've fulfilled and some people say it was like you know like whenever Hannah said to Samuel whenever or to Eli said you know what um, the child that I have I'm going to give him to the Lord and so he went into the service of the Lord there's people who think that's what happened um, Josephus, the Jewish historian, he believes he actually did kill her, even though it was against the word of God. They lived in a different time. Um, I'm more persuaded that he did, personally, but that's, I'm not dogmatic in that. But here's the thing, either way, his words cost him. Amen, a stupid vow. How many times have we made vows or promises that have cost us? A smart, the Bible says, let your words be few. <laughs> There's a reason for that. Let your words be few. The Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And it's, 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 it's just smart. Whatever way with this with his daughter, people can argue about it. I'm not going to be dogmatic. I'm not really interested in being dogmatic and not. People say, well, what if he did kill her? Well, you know what? Went against everything in the word of God. You know what? He gave his word. There's a lot of people give their word and they will not back off it no matter what. But you know what? Here's the thing. It cost him. I look at this here. He had a bad start. He had an amazing victory in faith. And he had a bad ending. So I don't want to be a person that has a great um, victory in faith and live by faith and then a fizzle out. I want to live by faith for the whole of my life. He only lived for six years after this. Whatever he done, 
it hurt him and upset him that much that it's possible that's what finished him off. He didn't last too long after that. Six years after having a great victory. There's great lessons to learn in all of these things. But you know what? Faith will give you a mighty victory. But also your words can bring a lot of hurt. And there's a great lesson here for all of us to learn. And that is, put a guard over our mouth. Use our words for faith. Believe God to take ground. Believe God to do mighty things. But this here also has potential of destruction as well. Death and life's in the power of the tongue. I'm so glad that God is so gracious that he still recorded Jethna as a mighty man of faith and a great example of faith. Why? Because he faced his enemy, an enemy of 18 years, and took 20 cities. That's a great victory. Amen. And so I, I'm not going to magnify whatever else he done. I'm going to celebrate the victory. And there's great lessons in that as well. Let me tell you, celebrate people's victories. Celebrate what they've done in faith. There's been a lot of great faith heroes that have done stupid things as well. Went to extremes. And sometimes people totally write them off. But you know what? Look for the victories in their life when there were people of faith that done great things. And celebrate that. Amen. There's been a lot of great people in God that did stupid things in the end of their life. And you're like, how did you get there? You had miracles, you had signs and wonders, and now this. Celebrate what we do in faith. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching by Paul Drury. Our vision at Life Source Ministries is to reveal Jesus' love and grace to all generations. To stay up to date with the ministry, like Life Source Ministries on social media or visit our Facebook page. Contact us with any questions or if you would like Paul to minister for you, email lifesourceministries1 at gmail.com. That is Life Source Ministries, followed by the number one at gmail.com.